This is Greg Olson, inviting you to check out my new Blue Wire podcast, TE1, where I interview tight ends throughout the history of the NFL who have helped revolutionize the position. TE1 is presented by the Chevy Silverado. The Silverado is all about grit. It's strong and dependable, exactly like playing tight end. Just like the incredible players we sit down with on the podcast, the Chevy Silverado is in a league of its own. Strong, advanced, and dependable. Download TE1 today, wherever you listen to podcasts. Baker Mayfield, undraftable, off my board. The Cleveland Browns select Baker Mayfield. Welcome in, everybody, to the Orange and Brown Film Breakdown Podcast. Your host, Jake Burns, coming at you on what is a victory Monday for the third. Well, we didn't have it the first week because that was a Thursday night game. But, uh, you know, three straight victory day after events, two straight victory Mondays, which always make your Mondays better. I hope this one finds you well. And, um, you know, the Browns come off of a exciting, um, albeit unnecessary, crazy finish to a 49-38 win in Dallas just yesterday. I'm recording this late in the evening. Technically, it is yesterday. And uh, hopefully you enjoyed the game and found a way to enjoy the game, even it when, when it became, you know, a little bit uncomfortable at the end. Uh, unnecessarily uncomfortable. Whatever. We'll talk about that. That'll be a big piece of things that uh, that come up here in just a little bit. But before we jump to that point... I am going to talk to you guys about the folks at Visa. They know it's a special time and an important time for local businesses as they are the heartbeat of our communities. Whether they're the corner store, coffee spot, or our favorite shops, local businesses have always been there for us. They remember our orders, they call us by name, they always are giving back, making a difference, and going that extra mile to support us and our community. And right now, more than ever, local businesses need our support, so now... It's time for us to return the favor. The next time you go shopping, make the choice to shop at local businesses and look for the contactless symbol and tap to pay with a contactless visa to help support your community because you know how important that is because where and how you shop matters. Visa, everywhere you want to be, official partner of the NFL. So before we talk about, you know, some things about this game specifically, and I'm going to dig into that fourth quarter uh, with a little conversation I had earlier. Um, We are going to talk about kind of just like the numbers behind this game, um, which were which were pretty staggering. Uh, So if you look at the Browns, they were able to muster 307 total rushing yards, which is pretty crazy. I, I didn't look this stuff up. There's smarter people out there than me and people that have better computers. And I couldn't tell you the last time the Browns have been over 307 yards. I'd have to imagine it was in the 60s. I know it was the Cowboys single game most rushing yards allowed in their franchise history kind of unfathomable to see 307 rushing yards crazy browns threw for 202 yards baker mayfield threw for 165 you add that 37 yard throw from jarvis landry to odell beckham which was just a touch of magical and the quote from odell after the game man if you have not read that quote find a way to read it about the connection there and what it means between jarvis and odell and all of that stuff man 
really cool relationship. And uh, I hope you find a way to read that. It's on my Twitter feed. If you scroll down and look at mentions, it's in there. So uh, 508 uh, total yards for Cleveland. And um, pretty magical stuff if you look at the stat line. Um, you know, Dearness De- Johnson, who I said makes some 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 feels of Alvin Kamara. Look, I don't know what Dearness can do in the passing game. I've only seen a few receptions. The Jets on Monday Night Football last year he had a catch and uh, here and there, but 13 carries, 95 yards, and he just has this little weight. Look, you got he's got the dreads and he's shorter and he's got the long uh, arm tape and all of that, and some of that goes into it. But I'm talking just like. Also, the way he runs, the shifty, compact nature, like he makes these little subtle cuts, kind of keeps his body thin and through the holes, and he's he's challenging to see, which does make a difference. I think he's going to be fine. Like if they lose Nick Chubb, and by the time you listen to this podcast, he's getting an MRI Monday, we might know more. I'm presuming he's being out for multiple weeks. The best case scenario is you get him back after the bye week, early November. You can have him for the stretch run. Uh, but listen, Dearness is kind of fine in this scheme, and this scheme has unlocked multiple running backs, you know, big play potential. I like how he's playing. He's not Nick Chubb, obviously, but it's it's a fine rotational back that you compare with Kareem Hunt, who goes 11 times for 71 yards and two touchdowns. And it's just Kareem's ability to make somebody miss at the first level is just so it's 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 just the perfect compliment to Nick Chubb who those guys can make anybody miss at any time and they're so good at making one player miss on every snap. Kareem's just very gifted, man. Dealing with a groin, you could tell, only 11 attempts. He did catch the football a little bit uh in terms of route. He actually didn't have a catch, but he, he was out there on routes and running here and there. Um but you know, they they're going to try to get him healthy so he's good to go uh, against Indy next week. Other rushers who played well, Odell Beckham had 2 for 73, obviously. His big 50-yard reverse touchdown. The funny thing is, and we talk about it in the piece I wrote today about Stefanski's play calling, is there was this identical scheme on the reverse. The first quarter reverse goes for 23 yards, where it's out of a bunch set where they flip it to Odell running into the bunch side. And, you know, Harrison Bryant, who I I discussed, might have had the best blocking game for a tight end I've ever seen from a Browns player. I'm just saying, man. They use him in so many different ways, and he's a willing and able blocker who's who's really (laughs) – He's turned a corner. I can't wait to see a pro football focus grades him because I have him graded astronomically in the run game. So hopefully that can kind of meet in the middle somewhere. But um, they could, yeah, they, they sort of sell him going down the line for the play action. They flip it to Odell, and then right once the flip happens, he reverses out and lead blocks. A fun scheme. They went back to it uh, when they needed it. 50-yard touchdown closes out the game. So Odell ends with 73. Nick Chubb, when he was running, had six for 43 and was averaging 7.2 a carry, which is wild. Um, Dontrell Hilliard, you know, Dontrell's been around five carries, 19 yards was fine when he needed to Baker had three for six. Um, you know, one of which on a little boot rollout. Uh, so some, some weird scrambling from Baker one ended up costing him a sack, uh, moving on though. Baker was 19 of 30, dropped back 35 times total, but 19 of 30 throwing 165, two touchdowns, sacked a couple times, both of which I thought were his doing, not the offensive line that is playing just unbelievable football. And then Jarvis was, like I said, 37 yards for 202 total. Odell catches eight of uh, or five of his eight targets for 81 yards, a couple touchdowns. Jarvis goes 48 for five and on five catches, and, and three of which I believe, maybe four, but I believe at the minimum three were, were first downs uh, on third downs, which was vital. Third and six or longer catches, which is just a big part of a big element of his game that is that is just so unique and so fun. Hooper goes 5 for 34, gets in the end zone finally. Um, Harrison Bryant goes 4, 
catches all four of his targets, 37 yards, and then Hilliard had a two-yard catch. Defensively highlights, Denzel Ward has an interception. Um, you know, obviously Miles Garrett has two sacks, uh, a strip sack. He's playing, I think he has six pressures that have led to turnovers, which is the most in the NFL this year, and as many as the leaders had in the league last year. Don't quote me on that. I think I saw it on NFL Network. He is every bit worth a dollar that he's getting paid. He is going to challenge for the NFL Defensive Player of the Year and is playing overall fantastic football so far and changing football games. He changed the, the you know, week one, not many Browns had an impact. Week two, his play, a strip sack, changes the outcome of that game. The Browns had just been stopped against Cincinnati on the goal line. They get it right back and then end up scoring win 35-30. He closes out the game that the Browns are up by one score against Washington week three with a strip sack that he recovers on his own. That leads to a touchdown to make it 34-20. And then obviously, you know, a game-changing strip sack. He has an early sack, and then he has that other strip sack that results in more points. And the Browns are scoring. Since week one, when they recovered that Patrick Ricard fumble in Baltimore territory, and it did not lead to points directly. I think that was the drive that Odell ended up dropping that short third and two. The Browns have scored off every single t- turnover. And not just scored, I think they've scored touchdowns. I have to fact check this. But I'm pretty sure they've scored touchdowns on all turnovers created by their defense in week two, three, and four. I have to check it again, but pretty sure that's factual at this point. They're just taking advantage so wonderfully uh, on on all of the turnovers that the defense created. Because the defense is giving up a ton of yards. Like Dak Prescott threw for 500 and some change today. 502 yards, kind of staggering total. 41 of 58. Almost the second time the Browns have had a quarterback throw 60-plus times in this early season, 41 of 58, 502, four touchdowns, an interception. Again, keep the running game in check. 12, 12 carries, 54 yards. Um, Pollard had three for 16. Dak ran twice for 12. And CD had a quick jet sweep for three yards. Uh, you know, receptions wise, Amari Cooper's, he's good, man. Their receivers are good. Dallas going to win plenty of football games. 12 catches, 134 yards, a touchdown. Zeke has eight for 71. CD had five for 79 and two scores. Schultz has four for 72 and a touchdown. Noah Brown playing playing really well. Four for 43. Cedric Wilson, three for 34. They did keep Michael Gallup in check. His five total targets only caught two of them for 29. So, But, you know, listen, Dallas was playing behind. I think it needs to be noted the defense obviously struggled in the fourth quarter. Dallas played an impeccable quarter. And, again, we're going to talk about that in just a moment. But after the first quarter where they gave up two scores, the first play, the first touchdown is a broken coverage. I need to hear Joe Woods talk about that. Maybe I've missed the quote, but there was a broken coverage. There's no way Sandejo was playing it like he was without expecting somebody in deep middle or at least a too high shell. It was weird. And you can get mad at Sandejo because the second touchdown, I thought Sandejo could have played the football or the man, one of the two. He whiffed on both, and there's a touchdown there. But then they buckled down, and in the second quarter, it's important to know this because this is when the game changed. In the second quarter, they hold Dallas to 60 total yards, create two turnovers, and impactful turnovers that led to points. The Browns go 17 unanswered points in the second quarter because of two turnovers. And I'll give Sandejo credit where he deserves it. That fumble he caused on Zeke's run, fantastic play. Sticking with it through the very end because you never know when those fumbles, 9 out of 10, that guy's probably down. But that one time where he rolls over and he's on top of somebody else's body, that's a play you make, man. And like he made it, so credit there. He gave up plenty of points too. But those were key plays. Again, they hold him to 60 yards, only three first downs, while the Browns have 16 first downs, 174 total yards, 
multiple scores and a great, a great, again, so often we see this happen against the Browns, that four minute drive that ends up leading to, to that they were being conservative to start trying not to kind of do anything crazy, but ends up leading to a field goal. It's beautiful. You, you, you don't let Dallas's offense back on the field and you get a field goal, go up 17 points, 31, 14. Great. Third quarter. Again, the Browns come back out and they dominate it. Even though they're not really going crazy, they only threw the football six times. They completed five of six, long of 14, but Kareem Hunt runs well, six carries for 35 yards in the quarter, a touchdown. They scored 10 points, and they hold Dallas to 47 total yards. As there's a train here in the background. I hope you can hopefully you can hear it. It's so late. It's ridiculous how late I record these. But they only, they only go for 47 yards. So the second and third quarter, the Browns shut that electric Cowboys offense out. Shut them out, barely get over 100 yards total, 107 yards in two quarters. And the Browns are 41-14 going into the fourth quarter. It is a, without a doubt, blowout. Now, I'm going to shift over to a recording I did earlier because this was on my mind. It was a topic at the time, and I wanted to get my thoughts carried into this, this whole thing. But it's like I said, it's important to understand that where they were thinking. The defense was playing lights out to that point. It was 41-14, and they had held them in check through the second and third quarters. So you don't even have the thought in your mind as a coach that Dallas would go on the the crazy run of perfection, almost utter perfection in the fourth quarter. That is wild. It's it's just kind of a sums up where Dallas' season is because that's where their offense is most comfortable functioning. So I'm going to shift over and, 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 and go to this recording I had earlier where I, I give my thoughts on what people were complaining about was a conservative approach, and I just could not disagree more. So uh, I'm going to shift over to that recording right now. Okay, so I usually record everything late, but I want to get through this, this conversation about the conservative nature of the fourth quarter. So the Browns score 10 points in the third quarter. They, they shut them out, I believe, shut them out. Uh, checking this back out here. Yeah, so in the third quarter, Dallas doesn't score. Cleveland scores 10 points. I didn't feel like that offense was overly conservative. Obviously, they're they're handling Kareem Hunt gently as they can. And, um, you know, they're not trying to aggressively throw the football up 31-14 at that time, but still put 10 points on the board and, and find a way to, uh, to, to get some drives going. And like I said, you get 10 points, you go up 41-14, you go into the fourth quarter, you feel pretty good. I mean, even in the third quarter, they threw the football a little bit when they needed to throw the football a little bit. I think they threw for around 50 yards, did what they needed to throwing-wise, 41-14 going into the fourth quarter. Honestly, an ideal situation. It could not be any more ideal, uh, the situation. So obviously, at 41-14, the offense is going to go into a conservative approach. Just kind of the nature of how offense goes. You're trying to get out of their run clock. Dallas has the football. It, it, like I said, it takes three minutes. They actually should have scored a touchdown. I don't know why they didn't rule that Ezekiel Elliott run a touchdown. Takes an extra minute off the clock. Gets it down to 12-28 touchdown. Fine. Browns come back out. Actually pick up a first down before they end up punting. Uh, I think it's only a five-play drive. Five or six-play drive. It gets it down to 8-21. So it's 41-22 at 8-21. Still fine. Dallas goes out. This is the problem. They score a touchdown in seven plays that only covers two minutes. The first snap happens at 8-21. Cleveland ends up allowing a touchdown on a deep middle ball to Dalton Schultz. 26-yard touchdown. Seven plays, 84 yards in a minute 50. That's the problem. You at least think your defense can maybe get one sack. Maybe one knockdown. Maybe maybe put them in a tough third down situation. They got one third down that whole drive. Third and one. Fine. 
At this point, like Kevin Stefanski up 41-21, and then as it gets to 41-22, is thinking, okay, Dallas is only going to have so many possessions here. My defense, I'm banking on the odds that my defense is able to get a stop, a sack, a turnover, whatever. Just once. That's all you need to do. Just get one. That's all you do. You don't want to put your offense in a situation where you take a sack and a strip sack happens by dropping back, where a tipped pass interception happens. Something stupid that eliminates the opportunity for your defense to be on the field and make Dallas drive the field. Now, Dallas, one of the best 11 personnel in football. There are two tight ends, Dalton Schultz and, 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 and um, Blake Jarwin. I don't know if Blake Jarwin even play. It's, it's murky at this point. But Schultz, pretty good football player in this, in this offense, and they're able to exploit some one-on-one matchups with him. So they're clicking, and which is what they're good at. This is what Dallas is really most comfortable doing. If you watch their first three weeks, They've come back. Seattle, Atlanta, even had to do a comeback nature against the Rams in the first week. Like This is where their offense is most comfortable operating. But again, as a head coach, you're up 24 points. You're thinking, we just need one sack to end a drive. We just need one interception, something to happen. It's fine. You're playing the odds at that point. So Cleveland gets it back at 631. You could say that they were conservative. Fine. Up there at the top. It's third and one. They end up, they end up just... I mean, on third and one... You run for over 300 yards. It's not that crazy. And they hadn't run for 300. They at least run for over 200 yards at this point. It's not that crazy to just run the football with your 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 traditional schemes on third and one. Yeah, Dallas makes a play. They get a five-yard loss. You have to punt. Big deal. So you come back out at the six-minute mark now, right? Now it's getting interesting. It's 41-28. Come back out at the six-minute mark. You're not even conservative anymore. The Browns really spent two possessions in conservative mode, and they weren't even that conservative. They got to a, they got a first down, then got to third down and ran it. They come back out. Not only do they throw on second down, they were ready to take a shot. Almost ripped it, but Mayfield didn't. I don't know why until I see the all-22. Almost ripped it. Then he just misses a throw up the left sideline to Odell that should have been you know completed. So they're not conservative there. There's six minutes left. They're not conservative there at all. So they have to punt, but they weren't conservative. Have to punt. Dallas comes back out at the six-minute mark, drives all the way down the field again in under three minutes, 41-38. So listen, at this point, as a head coach, you're thinking, I was conservative, air quotes, kind of conservative to begin this quarter, didn't work out, whatever. I don't even want to call it that conservative. Dallas is playing perfect at this point. They've creeped back into this thing with 16 points, you know, been able to knock down 16 points quickly. I'm sorry, they've been able to knock down 20, what is it, 21 points, right? They've scored three touchdowns in this situation to start the fourth quarter. All of a sudden, it's 41-38. You just missed a throw to complete, you know, that could have really put a burden on Dallas. You come back out, you just got to do one thing. You got to get one first down. The ball game's essentially over. The second play, they run for eight yards on the first play. The second play is a 50-yard end around. So, like, you can be mad at Kevin Stefanski all you want for saying they went conservative, but did they really? Just because they didn't want run one boot fake on third and one on the fir- their first possession of the fourth quarter, they threw it two times on the second possession, and then they freaking run a reverse as complicated as, as le- the least amount of predictables it could be. And, yeah, you could say, well, he almost got tackled. Well, he almost got tackled. But, hey, he also ran 50 yards the opposite direction for a touchdown. So, Kind of like, with all due respect, you can have an opinion on saying the Browns went conservative. You can also just say, hey, Kevin Stefanski played the odds, which is what every coach would do in that situation, banking on your defense to get one stop, make one play. But you could say, hey, Dallas played a hell of a fourth quarter. They completed a bunch of throws, and Dak Prescott played great. That's what happened. 
that's okay. You can say that. The Browns should have made some plays, should have picked a couple of throws off, but they didn't. Dallas played great, but the Browns also iced it away. They did what they needed to do. I did not think the coach was that conservative at all, and I wouldn't even label it as conservative. They just missed a couple plays. Dallas played unbelievable to close. And listen, you, Dallas is 1-3. They're going to win plenty of football games moving forward. They play in a terrible division. They're probably going to be a playoff team. There's too much talent on the offensive side. They'll figure it out on defense somewhat. But this is a time to not sit here and label Kevin Stefanski as conservative for that approach. They won the football game by going at it the fourth quarter the way they needed to. And you will never, ever hear me complain about a Browns offense scoring 49 freaking points in a game. That's the end of my rant. I'm not talking about conservative. Kevin Stefanski did a fantastic job uh, in, in helping the Browns offense as a play caller put up 49 points. So to wrap up, listen, I'm coming back after this tangent hours later. And, and really, before we do, I, I want to talk to you about Indeed. And, you know, if the Cowboys keep losing games, Jerry Jones might make Mike McCarthy start looking for a new job. And if you need a new job, or if you're looking to hire a new employee for your job, check out Indeed. Sports might have a break. They did have a break. But your business didn't. You got to keep moving forward. That makes hiring more important than ever. Indeed is here to help. Indeed.com is the number one job site in the world because you get... What Indeed does for you, and that's what they get, is the best people fast. Unlike other sites, Indeed gives you full control and payment flexibility over your hiring, and you only pay for what you need, which is important. You can pause your account at any time, and there are no long-term contracts. Plus, Indeed provides powerful tools to make your search that much easier, like sponsored jobs, which are known to be three and a half times more likely to result in a hire. With 73% of online job seekers visiting Indeed each month, Indeed is going to give you the important hire you need just like they have for over 3 million businesses. Right now, Indeed is offering our listeners a free $75 credit to boost your job post, which means more quality candidates will see it fast. Try Indeed out with a $75 credit again. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. This is the best offer available anywhere. Go right now to Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions do apply offer valid through September 30th. So we close this thing, man. Like, you know, in that rant, it's... uh. It's interesting to note, I made a note of a third down throw, or sorry, a second down, that second possession of the fourth quarter. Browns did a play-action scheme, and uh, I said Mayfield didn't rip it. Well, he didn't rip it, he wanted to. If you slow down and watch it, and I put it in today's article that's up at the OBR, he wanted to throw it, stepping up to throw it, but um, uh, Joel Batonio loses, uh, I think it's Demarcus Lawrence, loses him, and Lawrence gets an arm on, on Mayfield's collarbone and forces him into to not feeling like he can make that throw, so ends up not making it, so... Uh, that explains why he sort of scrambled out, did a spin move, and didn't gain any yards there. So, look, they were being aggressive, man. I, I don't back down from that take. I, I recorded that I recorded that earlier, I don't know, 4, four 5 o'clock, and, and really wanted to get some thoughts down as, as people were kind of jumping down Stefanski's throat and the offense's throat. Like, you can be mad. You can be mad at the defense, man. You have every right to be upset with how the defense is playing and, and, uh, and how easily opposing teams are moving down the football field on them when they're you know, when they have a lead and how Dak embarrassed them today in the fourth quarter. But you can't be mad at the offense, man. Like, those guys played really well, and they put 49 points on the board. And Kevin Stefanski outside of maybe one third down play call there on third and one, when again, from his perspective, they've put up 225 rushing yards at the time. Like, it's not crazy to think, I'm just going to run on third down, not risk it. You don't know if that backside DN is going to sit home or crash. Look, he crashes, they make a good play. You can still sometimes beat that play out to the front side. So I'm not going to sweat that, man. Like, I think it's a fine call when running the football has gotten you to that point. You could be a little uh, risky there, but still at that point, it's only 
it's only a 41-22 game. You know, Dallas still had to go down and score, and I should have referenced it in that earlier rant, but they had to score, not only score, but get two, you know, three two-point conversions, which they did. So, like, everything went in Dallas's favor, which is wild. And, you know, the Browns were still able to pull it out, and that should speak volumes to you. Dallas is, is built around that stuff, man. Like, that's what they've done in the first three games. That's honestly where their offense is most comfortable functioning. So, like, to me, you know, you, you're able to stop them uh, on that last possession, but... Uh, it's just the foot football's weird like that, man. It's momentum based sometimes, and in that situation, it's it's just like they're they're doing everything right. You can't stop the avalanche until you do, and they stop the avalanche with the offense. So, you know, direct your frustration toward the defense, which was, you know, especially having issues, and then, you know, look to it where Stefanski made his decisions to be again air quotes conservative. In nature, you know, the third, second, and third quarters, Dallas didn't score. Like the Browns' defense shut them out in the entire second, third quarter, and the Browns scored ten third quarter points. It was forty-one fourteen, man. So, you know, when they come back out on that possession after Dallas finally scored again, they don't know Dallas is caught on this ridiculous heater. Like it's not an avalanche at that point. When the Browns started to feel pressure at forty-one twenty-eight, they decided, you know, hey, we should. Or sorry, forty-one thirty. We should be a little bit more aggressive here on this drive. You know, we ran the football last drive, ran four or five minutes off the clock, but here we might need to pick up a first down. They threw the football twice and had two opportunities to complete the football, and one of which Baker Mayfield just misses a throw. So you can't put that on Stefanski. He dials up the right scheme. Like, I, I'm sorry, man. I think he called the best, the best game I've ever seen. Uh, you know, you know, Freddie Kitchens had some good dial-up situations in 2018 that ended up getting him the job. But this is the most complete game, putting his players and his team in the best positions to succeed, being diverse in the run game, plenty of play action. And um, it's just like, I just feel like it was the best approach to a game, game plan, scheme use that I have seen since, you know, especially since covering these guys in 2017, but maybe in a decade or more. You know, you're kind of running into some stuff that I was too young to be really studying it back then. You know, you go pre-2010, but I just can't think of a better job and hanging 49 points in three straight weeks of over 30 points. You know, Kevin Stefanski's doing unbelievable work. And you got to remember, he's doing this in a shortened preseason, installing, sorry, sorry, a shortened anything, offseason where you got no OTAs, no minicamp, no preseason games, and this is what they're able to do. And you can say, well, defenses across the league are behind. That's fine, but, you know, the Browns have every excuse in the world to have their offense be behind, but they're rolling. So... You know, we'll see what the injury bug situation looks like. I don't know what that'll look like right now, but, uh, you know, best best of luck to Nick Chubb on the MRI. That'll happen Monday, and um, and we'll see where they're at. But they're 3-1, man. Like, like enjoy it. <laughs> enjoy it. It doesn't happen enough. 2001, I was 2001. I was in seventh grade the last time these guys were 3-1. So I'm going to not worry about things all too much. Yeah, there's things that they can improve. Sure, great, but... It's 2001, man. Like, it's so long ago. You have to appreciate the good times as a football fan. And um, I know I did. Before we go, again, want to reference betonline.ag, who's doing more fantastic work. I bet with them every time the NFL rolls around on Sundays. You know, they're who I go to. They're going the extra mile to make sure you can get every possible chance to win this season. Game spreads, totals, to team player, coaching props. BetOnline gives you more options to wager than anyone else. You can get in on their season opening bonuses today. Start off wagering on wins, division, championship futures, all that stuff, which is still available. Poker, Blackjack, 24-7, also there too. Head to BetOnline today and take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses available, specifically using the promo code BLUEWIRE at BetOnline.ag. Again, BetOnline.ag. That's BLUEWIRE, all one word, BetOnline, 
your online sportsbook expert. So hopefully, you know, hopefully you made some money um, and, and got in on some betting with, with betonline.ag. Every week I, I give gambling tips in the preview, uh, look at some player props that are fun. So try, try to check those out. That's uh, Saturday morning or Sunday morning that comes out at the OBR. And and uh, make sure you're joining us at the OBR where we have great things going. I have my stuff up this morning on on what I thought was a, just an absolutely pretty close to flawless game plan from Kevin Stefanski. So hopefully you check that out. And um, uh, there's more more to come. And we'll keep you updated on the injury news and all of that. So make sure you're subscribing to the OBR, a dollar for your first month. Subscribe to this podcast, rate and review if you can, iTunes, Spotify, however you get it. And make sure you're also checking out the Orange and Brown Report hosted by Jared Mueller, which is up instantaneously after the game, reactions from him. Very quickly, I am on that, sh- that show uh, every uh, every Tuesday night, so Wednesday morning after studying the All-22. I will be on Bishop and Laurinaitis today. If you're listening to this early, I'll be on 1033 if you're in the Columbus market. If not, the fan has a, a 97.1 website radio uh, app that you can check out. Listen to that if you'd like. I'll try to retweet it. Um, but listen, man, 3-1. Enjoy your, enjoy your Victory Monday. Uh, enjoy your week. Hopefully you and yours are safe. Always appreciate you listening to this podcast. And uh, until we connect next time, we'll be back later in the week to talk Colts. Should be a fun matchup of 3-1 and one teams for the four, 425 primetime slot. Should be fun football. We'll preview them later this week. Check it out, and we'll catch you then. Until next time, go Browns.